This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Martin, I have a question for you. Yes, Paul. What is short, gray, and furry and smells terrible when wet? Donald Trump. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> that's, that's orange. <laughs> and it's not short, it's just small hands. Ah. Uh. Uh, the the answer is the premiere episode <laughs> of Comics in Black and White, subtitles Cerebus. Uh, every episode this of the premiere. <laughs> this is the fourth episode of Comics in Black and White. This week we were talking about Cerebus, uh, the aardvark that we all love to probably not know that much about unless we actually have read it. Yeah. And I have finally read it. Martin, you have read this in the past, but this is my... Uh, Initial offering was Cerebus, and uh, Cerebus, it's you could if you want to find it, you can get it. It's not like it's you know impossible to get. Easily, it's in easily. print and whatnot, but it's not the kind of thing you're gonna just go down to the comic shop and find volume one on the shelf necessarily. You're probably not gonna find it on sale unless you go to the right sites because it's not the kind of thing that goes on sale. It just is the kind of thing that is. So when I wanted to read Cerebus. I went on eBay, and I was lucky enough to find a lot of the first four volumes of Cerebus for like 40 bucks. That's like 10 bucks a volume. That's pretty good because it's like 30 bucks for the first volume. I think the second volume is $40 cover price. Hmm. Uh, the first four volumes, their cover price now is like that kind of 30 to 40 range, I think, at least the first couple. Uh, Unless you so go yeah, to Amazon, like, they're 20 bucks, less than 20 Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's check that right now. Yeah, I promise you. I think uh, volume one is like seventeen dollars. I might actually be a pretty good discount. I might need to know this. And also, I'm going to correct you because my shop does have Cerebus uh, on the shelf. Yeah, twelve ninety nine. Cerebus volume one. Oh, I've seen it on this the shop on this shelf at a shop elsewhere, but I'm just saying you're not going to go into any shop and oh, find sure, it. Sure, sure. Not, no, not no, something no, that's no. always stocked. So yeah, on Amazon, they actually have pretty good prices used. Yep. Um, I was, I was thinking of new prices. Let's see what the new price is. Oh, it's Amazon. So annoying. It's going to, this is the first print version. It's $80. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, a co cover so. price for Cerebus is $30. Yep. You can, but if you, if you look around, finding a used copy is a good way to go. Um, it's not, it's it's they, they refer to the volumes of Cerebus as phone books because they're about the size of a phone book yes, they and are. they're printed on like the original comic paper that was used, which is nicer paper than a phone book, but it's still it's you know there's nothing fancy about these volumes. It's very much just collecting the works. It's it's a, a good collection. It's you know solid and full of stuff and everything, but there's nothing fancy about it. So getting a used copy, I think, is the way to go on it. Mm -hmm. Unless you just really want to support Dave Sim, you can also uh, Martin. I think you know the website because I know it's a little bit of a different name, but uh, you can buy it all digitally from Dave Sim, and that is the only legitimate way to get it digitally. Uh, and they have a deal; you can get the entire run of Cerebus for a hundred dollars that way, which is ridiculously so cheap. When you figure there's like seventeen volumes or something like that, right? So you can you can get some of uh, Cerebus on Comixology. Um, but I think the only trade they have is High Society, which is Volume 2. Mm -hmm. um, you can't get anything else in trade. Um, 
and, and single issues, I don't think they're all in there either. But yeah, if you go to CerebusDownloads.com, uh, that's run by Dave Sim. Um, you can get the first two volumes for free uh, as digital copies if you would like. Um, or you can, there's, there's different bundles too in here. Um, but you can buy the entire run of Cerebus for a hundred bucks, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have other options, like anywhere between 15 a piece. Um, then there's like, you know, two volumes for 22 or three for 30, um, whatever. There's different options. Yeah. So I'm looking on in stock trades right now to kind of get a, a sense of the new price for things. Volume one is $30. Of course, none of this is an order. Uh, so that makes it a little bit harder. But volume one is $30. So I had got the first four volumes, and uh, I wanted volume five because I was starting to kind of poke around for what was next. And volume five, I had more trouble finding a good price for. So I ended up getting it on eBay for $19 shipped. Um, but yeah, volume five is $30 cover price. Like on in stock trades, it's $21. I didn't think of looking on Amazon. I should have looked there. Hmm. Um, but I, I kind of looked in the other places and – had a harder time finding a, a better price on that one. By the way, if you go to eBay, you can buy the entire run, single issues, all 300 issues for four grand. <laughs> Good deal. Yeah, yeah so the uh, Jaka story is volume five and on Amazon without shipping it's eighteen eighty is the lowest price. So I think I did good finding it for nineteen. Yeah, it's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah so it's it's the kind of thing where if you keep your eyes open and, and look around a little bit when you want the next volume, you could probably find a decent price. Uh, but ultimately even if you just order them on in stock trades, you're getting a lot of volume for that price. So like volume one is thirty dollar cover price, it's twenty five mm-hmm. issues of comics. So even if you paid full price, you're actually getting a pretty damn good value. Whereas, you know, with a, a lot of stuff, like IDW, for example, their trades typically, at least with like, you know, a, a big property like Ninja Turtles or, you know, Transformers or something, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much without a doubt four issues a trade and they're $18 a trade. So you're spending more than $4 an issue that way. With Cerebus, you're spending just over a dollar an issue and that's a good price point for a trade, so... So, do you want to explain what Cerebus is for people that have never heard of it, which is probably uh, the majority of readers today? Yeah, I only knew Cerebus at all because he had crossed over into uh, Ninja Turtles Mm. in the original Mirage run. Uh, And then, before I read any Cerebus, I also found out that he had a crossover in issue 10 of Spawn, which I found incredibly interesting. So Cerebus... It's a little side story on that. Um... I don't know if you know this, Paul, but Eastman and Laird were inspired by Cerebus to create TMNT um, after they met Dave Sim at a convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that that he's he's one of the part of the like the story of the inspiration for Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there were a lot of different things that kind of went into it, but Dave Sim, Cerebus started, I believe, at seventy-seven. Does that yes. sound right? Yes. 77, he started publishing Cerebus. It's always been self-published, right? Yes. Uh, it has run for over th- 300 issues or over 300 issues? 300 issues from 77 to 2004. Yeah, and this year, they well, actually, I guess 2016, last year, they had Cerebus and Hell come out, which nope. is just a one-shot. Nope. 
that's been pushed Yet. back. It's coming out this no, year. No, 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 because I, I own it. Oh, the one-shot. Yeah, yeah, but they're supposed yeah. to be doing a miniseries. They're doing a miniseries. That's what I was getting to. So they had a one-shot in 2016, and there's going to be a miniseries coming up, which will be the, the first time Cerebus has had anything new since, what would you say, 2003? So 14 yep. years, 13 years? 2004, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so anyways, yeah. So Cerebus is created by Dave Sim. It's a black-and-white comic. Uh, Cerebus is an aardvark. It began as a parody, basically, of uh, Conan, right? Yes. Uh, and evolved into something very different. Dave Sim is an interesting character himself. <laughs> yes, um, <he> is. <laughs> I, I definitely I want to read more about Dave Sim and get a better picture of kind of... You know, I know some of the basics of the history of Cerebus, but uh, it, it would have been awesome if they had like an annotated volume of Cerebus to where you learned a lot more about the the history or the choices he made or the influences and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can clearly see a lot of the influences in this. Like the the source material he's taking from is pretty obvious, and it does give this first volume uh, more of a sense of parody. But I think that the, even in the first volume, the quality goes beyond being parody. Uh, when I started reading it, I was like, well, this is good. I mean, it's a good read, but I really can't imagine reading 17 volumes or whatever it is, 300 issues of comics. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I figured, well, I'll probably, you know, my first impression was I'll probably, I'll read this and then I'll, you know, trade it in or give it to somebody or something. And then I'll read volume two and so on and, you know, kind of liquidate them as I go. And then when I get to volume four, if I feel like it, maybe I'll get volume five. By the time I got to the end of this first volume, I it, these aren't leaving my my possession now. So I I'm, really like. I'm curious though, Paul. How long did it take you to get beyond that initial sentiment? Not terribly long. Let me flip through a little bit here. So, uh, I mean, it starts off interesting. You could also, I mean, just even in this first volume, you can see the quality of uh, the art like drastically increased from the beginning. The first well, issue is, is really. There was a, I think a new artist came in, like part. That's later. Like, yeah. No, that's it's later. It's volumes later when Gerhard comes in. This is all Dave Sim at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He came in like sixties, like sixty-one, sixty-two, something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know that that was a big change and a, a big thing with him is, uh, I think he's the background artist, if I remember correctly. So it added a lot more detail to everything. Um, yeah, so I mean, you're going through, and like you know, obviously it's it's very he's like kind of barbarian. Uh, the the interesting thing with Cerebus is that he he's this fuzzy little aardvark, you know, he's a little animal, mm-hmm. but he's a badass, and he's like he's a badass all the way through this, and like he doesn't have that. A lot of times you get uh, books like this where the you know the diminutive character is like kind of gets by by hook or crook you know it's like they they kind of eke by or they get lucky or they're always a little on the scared side kind of a thing mm-hmm. not cerebus he's as as badass as any of the warriors he's going up against that sort of thing um i think when i first started to like it a little bit more uh where i was like okay this is getting a little bit more interesting rather than just being a kind of straightforward tale is when they get to the song of red sophia mm-hmm how many issues in that is that's it's only the third issue that's when it started piquing my interest a little bit more interesting um i didn't look this up but red sophia is clearly parody of red sonia right oh for sure yeah yeah i mean it's pretty obvious i I was curious when red sonia began um 
couldn't have been much earlier than this. Probably early 70s, I would say, no? Yeah, 73. Okay, see, you're quicker at looking it up. That's why I give you the opportunity to. But, I mean, it's, it's I exactly the same. It's the same outfit and everything. Yeah, yeah, the chainmail bikini, as they yeah. say. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, this is obviously parody of it. Like, Red Sonja, I, I, I don't know about the early Red Sonja stuff, but I've read some of the Dark Horse Red Sonja that was written by, uh, oh gosh, what is her name? Oh man, I'm totally going to blank on her name now. Um, oh, is it the girl that was doing um, Secret Six? What the hell's her name? Gail Simone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gail Simone. Yeah. yeah. Gail Simone's Red Sonia. And she's a very strong character. She may be dressed in a very provocative outfit, but like she's a very strong character. So in this, she's. Yeah, they, they play up the sexuality more, and uh, she's, she's kind of a ridiculous character, even though she's still pretty much a badass warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of wants to get beat by Cerebus so he could be like. She could be, you know, beholden to him. But then she'll do whatever he wants her to do. But then some guy comes along and thinks he's going to steal her away, and Cerebus doesn't really care, mm-hmm. and she kicks the guy's ass, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, this is when it started to get a little bit more interesting because it wasn't just a straightforward story. And it started to get mixed more with some ridiculousness. Um, and you get you start to get some very interesting side characters. So, you know, Red, Red Sophia is the first one, and then you get... Um, Come on, they say his name constantly, and I can't find it the time I'm looking for it. Elrod. The Albino. Elrod, that's it. Elrod the Albino. And he's been sticking through it the whole time. When he first came up, I was like, what the hell is this guy? <laughs> he talks like Foghorn Leghorn. Yes. <laughs> um, so I don't know if he's a parody of Foghorn Leghorn or if he's a parody of whoever Foghorn Leghorn is a parody of. Because <laughs> I'm assuming that he is in you know, himself a parody. Sure. So he's just a bumbling idiot that thinks that uh, Cerebus is a kid in a bunny suit. Um, and just never quite really gets what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, then after that, you get to where he—he's he, always getting in. Service is always getting into, into trouble with different people trying to do these different things. And then when he gets away, he ends up just running into some other trouble, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So he runs into this group that they think he's a god. Then you get the spider that bites him. Oh, I love this. You get the priest that is wearing a, a Cerebus costume that is absolutely ridiculous looking. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. It has elements of like the kind of cartooniness, like some of the stuff that we talked about in Bone that's just kind of like ridiculous, like somebody not getting something that's totally obvious right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as I went on, it just grew on me more and more. I'm kind of flipping through it right now. So I'm going to tell you, while while you're flipping through, um, so I read uh, probably the first six volumes previously um, of Service, and I remember enjoying it a little bit more the first time I read it as opposed to this time reading it. Um, So I don't know if it's just because I'm so busy lately and I just didn't have as much time to enjoy it or what. Um, but reading much of, of this first volume was kind of, um, not quite a chore, but it was hard at times. Um, and it wasn't really until close to where I'm, where I've stopped now, which is past a little bit past the the halfway point when, uh, when the cockroach is introduced, Mm -hmm. um, when now I'm starting to get a little bit more interested in what's going on. 
Yeah, that's really where this volume starts to get good because I actually just coincidentally flipped up to that point mm-hmm. where he ends up in Paul New and you get the uh, the um, oh god I don't know what his title is uh, the guy who's in charge in Paul New it's like you know it's a yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, the Roman type of society something like that but yeah. he's a, a parody of Groucho Marx right um, and so you, you know you get these different characters like that that are just like they're fun to read mm-hmm. because you have this voice in your head and it's really obvious um, that's where it really starts to get good because he hires uh, he hires Cerebus as his head of the kitchen staff which means that Cerebus is his head of security because he won't give anybody a proper title because he doesn't want anybody to know what they're doing because it's a bureaucracy and you can't let people actually know how things work uh, and that's how you stay in power mm-hmm um, so Cerebus defends him against an assassination attempt. He throws uh, the guy off a ledge, so that guy's dead. And uh, meanwhile, the guy he's protecting is really kind of bumbling, but he's also very conniving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's he's very, like, nonchalant about everything, like nothing bad is happening around him. But at the same time, you like you also see that deep down, like, he he's in control but just doesn't care about, like, running things well it's all just you know staying in in power so you could be uh opulent pretty much i mean it's a it's a social commentary on politics so Mm -hmm. um that's what you know you don't get a whole lot of that in in this first volume i don't think there's like because it's a lot of setup right um and i think Mm -hmm. i was talking to nick about this a couple weeks ago um, when I was discussing with him that we're reading uh, Cerebus for the for this podcast, um, and he made a good point that I think for for most people, you you can't really get much enjoyment out of this until maybe you get to High Society, which is the second volume, mm-hmm. um, because the first phone book really is establishing all the characters and everything in the world, and then all the subsequent stuff kind of builds upon what you learned about in the first volume yeah and like often happens in something like this that ends up being so long running the intention wasn't for it to be something so long running he was just starting to make something and Mm -hmm. it be it became this over time so in the beginning it's you're just making something Mm -hmm. and what it ends up becoming it it builds so it's not like it you know they this isn't one of those things where he went into it in the beginning with the same, with like the whole scope in his head. So the beginning is the same quality as the middle is the end. It's it's a living and breathing thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is it, that's a big part of why I want to do this podcast. Is there are so many things like this that it's 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 just so alive, and you see the change over time. Whereas a good example of the the flip side of the coin, something that there's a clear uh, plan from beginning to end, was we talked about Rachel Rising. Mm-hmm. And that one, the beginning, is the same quality as any other part of it because the the plan was always in place. He, you know, he knew what he was doing the entire time. Um, um, I don't know if that's not untrue here, though. Um, I mean, do you, go ahead. I don't. I don't think Dave Sim started writing this intending it to. I mean, it's easy to say he didn't intend it to be 300 issues long. That's easy to say. I don't think he started writing this intending it to be a big ongoing thing. I, I mean, that you look at the very beginning, and he I don't really get the impression that he really expected it to continue to be ongoing. It was just something that he created, 
But then it kept, you know, it kept on going. He kept on going with it, and then it became something bigger. And that's when he wanted to start giving bigger commentary on things with it. Well, I think that once you get a little ways into it, uh, you start to get more of that social commentary and stuff, and you see a bigger scope to the stories. Once he gets into Polina, you get all that, and then at that point, everything is really building more and more from there. Uh, you know, he's working it, uh, in Polina, then he wants to leave, so he leaves. He ends up with a, a band of. Um, uh, you know, another army that wants to conquer Paul New mm-hmm. ends up with them, but then he gets drugged and kidnapped, and uh, by like a, a secret society or a cult, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then there's a jump in time, and he missed everything, so that this army he was with that was going to go and, and conquer Paul New got defeated. Right. And but now we're we jumped ahead in time, and there's a guy who's wanted to take over a lot more political stuff. You get the cockroach back, and you get Elrod the Obino back, um, and then he gets away from them. But yeah, so that's where you start to see, okay, well, there's bigger pieces fitting together, and the stories are spanning across more issues, and there's definitely like there's a lot more commentary happening in it at this point. I think my favorite is the last story though, where he had an injured leg. He ends up at the uh, the girls' school. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you haven't read this in your recent read, so um, tell me if this isn't ringing a bell to you. Uh, but he injures his leg. He ends up at this girls' school where there's only three students, and then the, um, you know, the, the lady in charge is an old lady. Um, you know, this kind of thing where rich people send their their daughters off to get an education, um, and then you know the the headmistress or whatever has to protect them, protect their virtue, and all that stuff. Um, so it's just it's a really interesting thing, and then you get start to get towards the end of it, and Cerebus knows that there's something weird lurking about. It ends up that the headmistress isn't a mistress. It's a guy, and it's a, an old, uh, you know, magician or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying to conjure this beast to go around killing everybody, basically. And he's using the girls as like a channel for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go, and he's he's all ready to conquer. And they go to this castle, and the castle is an artist, and. So, I mean, now you're getting art commentary. You're getting commentary about what sells in art. I mean, the focus <laughs> is all on breasts. Um, and then you get this unveiled monster there that is a... So, woman thing is the monster that that this guy conjured. And he's like, oh, the original beast is here. I can conjure him. And it's a, it's a parody of Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the, the name of it because they don't call it Swamp Thing. Um, so he's going to, you know, control two beasts and, and conquer everything. He's going to be legendary something. That's what they call it. <laughs> and something and, uh, and woman thing, get it on and smash the, the magician in the process. And he's dead. That's the end of the volume. Basically, <laughs> Cerebus gets a bunch of gold from the artist. Cause he feels bad that his friend was killed. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't get that far. And I, I vaguely remember that this has been way too long, Paul. Yeah, that was that. That part was really enjoyable. I think that once you get through to that, like it gets a little dry in places. I think once you get into Polnu, it's good for quite a while, and then once he gets out of Polnu, it starts to drag a little bit. In, in it gets uh, the reading gets thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get so he, he's with this other army that wants to conquer Polnu, and that's where it gets a little thicker. And then he gets abducted. There's this issue that's like all in his head where. It's, it's a strange issue. I don't want to explain it all. Um, 
and then suddenly he's away from these people, but it's it's taken a jump in time. He's been drugged and knocked out longer than he thought he was. And there's somebody that's, that's like posing as the president. He has uh, the cockroach and Elrod the albino who's going by something different. They're going around selling uh, like war bonds basically uh, with phony promises to make money. This guy's completely fraudulent. He's going to take over everything. He's so much better than everybody else. Uh, because he's he's powerful, so you know because he's powerful, he he's rich and he, you know he he doesn't concern himself with how stuff is going to work out. It's just going to work out, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a really a pretty fun section, and uh, and then you get on to the you know the the girls' school and the the magician conjuring the beast and all that stuff. I thought that was all quite enjoyable. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to finish that up because I I don't remember that stuff yeah yeah we only um, recorded two weeks late you could finish it but you know well, you know cool. no I, I get busy paul <laughs> i get busy i mean yeah, you, dude like you're busy with too many podcasts which you get busy with yeah that that is true maybe i'll catch up when i take my uh my little break <laughs> yeah um but uh i mean it's hard dude like this is 500 and how many pages about it's about 500 pages like just look 530 i think yeah uh and it's it goes quick at times, but it goes slower at times. I mean, it took me a little bit. I could have got it. We were supposed to initially record this two weeks ago, and I could have pounded through it, but then we had to push it back off a week uh, because our schedules didn't work up right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next week we had to push it off again because we were going to have the time, but then you had something come up, so we had to push it back off. And it worked out because I, I was I got down to yesterday. I had like I had about a hundred pages to go, and a hundred mm-hmm. pages wasn't too hard to, to just push through. Uh, 100 pages is what like five issues of comics uh, so, yeah roughly mm-hmm. yeah so i mean that's not getting through five comics isn't that bad getting through 10 comics of the same thing can be a little bit steeper you know mm-hmm. um but yeah so reading this you know getting as i got deeper into it i really liked it um and i already had two through four you know sitting there so i'm good to go for a while and i started looking around kind of get an idea of what it would cost to kind of keep getting them and then i saw that five was a little harder to find for a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. And then I went to, uh, I've mentioned before, uh, I know on VCP, and I've probably mentioned it here, but Bull Moose is a local store out here that sells books and music and video games and stuff like that. Yep. Um, it, the best thing about them is, number one, they have good prices on books. They're already 35% off. If they get something used, it's an even better price. So <laughs> I went in there, and they had a bunch of Cerebus, which is a random thing to find that somebody traded in. Sure. Uh, like I said, you don't find that all the time. It's you know, Cerebus is the kind of thing that you find kind of a random as- assortment spattered around. But I would venture to guess most people who get Cerebus this show probably are just going to keep it if they get it. You know? Yeah, I would think so. This is not something that uh, I mean. Maybe you want to read it and pass it on to somebody that you might feel would enjoy it. Yeah, but it's less likely to be the thing like, oh, I'm going to read a whole bunch of it. Oh, I, I've read it all, you know, and I'm I'm good trading it in. You know, I'm good selling it. Yeah, I think you see less of that than you do with with other things. Um, I think it depends how far in you go, though, Paul. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think the the first volume may be a little rough at times. Um, it does get better, and then it gets great, and then it kind of you just kind of don't want to read it. You know, like the last bit of it um, gets a little. A little too Cerebus. Um, and I guess yeah, like, it, as, as we 
keep reading. I mean, I'm sure you're going to keep reading because you, you bought more volumes of this. Yes, that's, that's what I was getting to. So I found they had a bunch of bull moose, but they were random assortments. And some of them were in the, the first four volumes, which I already had. They didn't have number five, unfortunately, but they had number six mm-hmm. and um, seven or eight. I, I don't remember exactly what numbers they all were, but in I, I got four more volumes and I saw them there. I was like, ah, no, nah, I'll just pick them up later because I'll find them for that price again. They were all like around 10 bucks, like eight to $11 each. And then I started looking around at how much they cost. I'm like, man, getting them for around 10 bucks a piece, that's pretty damn good. So I, I uh, started to drive myself crazy about it. So I went back and got all of those. And then I just bought volume five on eBay to fill the gaps. Now I have one through six and then an assortment after that. So I'll have to fill more gaps as I go on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely. I mean, this is kind of it's up my alley in the that it's uh, it's not traditional comic stuff. Like I like stuff that's more off the wall, more unique and creative not to say that mainstream stuff can't be that by any means but i mean this is pretty damn unique you know i mean superheroes are superheroes even if it's done well it's still superhero this is like it's a freaking aardvark you know it's different <laughs> different can be bad too like I've, I've tried stuff out that looked different that was just crap too and this this is different it's not crap it's good um well, it can be heavy it, at times but it's intellectual which is also up my alley I, I like something that'll be challenging and make me think you know right. and, and he's definitely not a hero right like he's only after himself yep yeah pretty much i mean he does heroic things from time to time like he has a conscience you know he's not a hundred percent like just it doesn't matter he's only out for self mm-hmm. but he's also very much out for self and that you know it's like anytime that it's a matter of conscious con- conscience comes up it's weighing like do I just be concerned with what I get out of this or, you know, um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's very, and another aspect for me too, is that this is an influence to, to Ninja Turtles, which has inspired a lot of different stuff that I've checked out because if you really love something, you want to know what inspired it. So Cerebus is something I always wanted to check out because of that. Um, Usagi crossed over, so that that was like another thing that kind of had Usagi on the edge of my radar. But mm-hmm. stuff like Ronin, I finally got uh, digitally. I barely started reading that. I haven't gotten very far in it yet, but I always wanted to read that because it was an influence. Uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil stuff was an influence. Um, all these different things that were an influence to it, I wanted to be exposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is one that I, I think uh, in reading through it, it's still like it's on the good like the good side for me. I want to keep going with it. Um, but I can see getting to the point where I'm just like, ah, screw this. I don't want to anymore because <laughs> it is, it's heavy. You know, I mean, it's, it's some of it's heavy, a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. It's very heavy. Uh, but yeah, so I would definitely recommend anybody that's been liking what we've been reading so far. And I know that there's a, a group of people that I've gotten to read Usagi and other things. Those people definitely it's worth giving a shot to, mm-hmm. um, you know, even if you don't love it and don't want to continue with it, it's the kind of thing that you'll read it and appreciate the fact that you read it. It'll be exposure to like you know one more thing. Um, I'm definitely going to keep reading it, and I I know from talking to you and from talking to other people that it's really a few volumes in when it really gets its flow, when it really gets going somewhere. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this, there's interesting character progressions too. Yeah, um, and there's stuff that happens in later volumes that is established here, um, like the stuff when. Oh God, what was the name of those people? The pig, the pig, piglets, piggots. The pigs. It's yeah, pig the with pigs. The, tea at the, end. the pigs. There you go. The 
the people that live on the ground and have that uh, that aardvark statue that they worship. Um, like some of that, the themes that you see there come back quite a bit, um, but grow exponentially as you go down, um, and you start seeing more of that in volume two. Um, so I think after we get through the second phone book of this. Um, I think it'd be interesting to discuss maybe uh, if you remember what happens in volume one, um, kind of see the, the contrast between the two. Um, especially because I think, I think high society, you could probably start there and maybe not even need the stuff in, in this volume. But um, it does set some of that stuff up. Yeah, so a couple things about it. I'm looking up on Wikipedia while you were talking. So Gerhard comes on the 65th issue. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things it's known for is, is, to, is the dexterity of its artwork, especially after that point. That's one thing that I'll say, you know, we've talked about this a lot before, but, you know, black and white artwork, it's so easy for people to just overlook it because now we're so used to color and bright and, and you know, highly defined and all that stuff this artwork to me is amazing mm-hmm. like the stuff that they do throughout this because it's it's black and white it's all done by hand they don't have all the the crap that they have nowadays to make it easier to to do artwork um you know it still takes a lot of skill to do artwork of course but i think that all the tools nowadays even if your your skill is what's going to get it up to a certain level the effort it takes to get to that level i think is probably what's different nowadays that would be my guess i obviously don't use any technology to do artwork so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean just the you know it's we've talked about this with other stuff like terry moore's art uh we know people who hate it who call it chicken scratch i think it's <laughs> beautiful artwork those people are crazy yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that you know that's the case here where this is unique artwork. There's a lot of detail to it. At times, the detail is looser, but it's just like to me, th- this is like a real work of art. Uh, when you know when you look at, and then th- that's the artwork, and then the the content of it, it's entertaining. At times, this first volume did get a little bit tedious, but it's it's entertaining while at the same time having a lot of things that make you think about religion and politics and society and, and, you know, capitalism and mm-hmm. um, just all these different things. So anything that can challenge you in those ways and, you know, also be entertaining and also be pleasing to look at, like you know, it, this definitely isn't for somebody who just wants to read, try to think of something that is really just openly approachable. Um, I don't know. Like, it's easy to just say like Marvel, but you know, somebody who just wants to read like the really mainstream Marvel stuff, you know, the stuff that's always out in the events, not that there's anything wrong with that. Some people want to read that and that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like the people who, when, when they watch movies, all they want to watch is the, you know, like the, the comedies and romances, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the easy approachable movies that aren't challenging at all. Sure. Some people only want to read this or, you know, like watch the movies that are, that are heavy and, um, you know, the kind of thing you have to sit there and shut the fuck up when you watch it because, <laughs> you know, um, because you have to fully pay attention to this. This is like that. I mean, there's a lot to this. There's depth to the art. There's depth to the writing. There's depth to the content. So it's not going to be for everybody. But, you know, anybody who wants that kind of little bit more challenge to it, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a good thing for them. Agreed. Um, and actually, I'm curious... I haven't read a whole lot of 70s comics. 
Um, but from my understanding, part of the reason he wanted to do this was to have comics for adults so that they didn't feel shitty reading comics. Um, and so my assumption based on that statement is maybe at this point um, comics just weren't very deep. Um, but look, I, you know, I, I wasn't around in the mid to late 70s, so I have no idea. Um, but I do know that a lot of the stuff that we see in the 80s with comics getting darker, that's part of the reason for that happening. Um, yeah, that's that one of the things with the black and white... Yeah, yeah this this kicked off the black and white boom of comics, and that's where creators were making the stuff that they really wanted to and exploring different things. And a lot of that stuff got into a darker nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at older comics, and like nowadays, you would say that they appeal to adults because they're they're the the artwork isn't as as appealing as modern comics, and the writing is a lot denser. Um, in that they have just a crap load of words on every page because they do stuff like tell you what's going on even though they're showing it to you and you know, it's a lot wordier in comics back then but if you go back to then like comics were all even if adults liked them like you know what Marvel or DC comics weren't approachable to kids like that was the market back then mm-hmm, yeah. was kids it wasn't they weren't making this stuff for adults so this really was opening a door to adults. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, you look at all the, the black and white comics that we've been talking, or, you know, the ones that go back to then, especially, um, and even, even the ones that stay, uh, you know, cleaner and more approachable to where like, if a kid read it, there wouldn't be any problem with it. Mm-hmm. There's they get really heavy and really adult and what they're, and what they're talking about. I mean, the first Ninja Turtles stuff is like drastically different than what the cartoon ended up being as far as the you know i mean the the first ninja turtle cover has a sword dripping blood on the cover mm-hmm. you never saw that in the cartoon they didn't really use their weapons in the cartoon michelangelo couldn't even have nunchucks in the cartoon you know mm-hmm. so definitely a big difference here no, any final thoughts on cerebus uh no it's good if you're willing to stick with it um it'll be worth it but you will be sticking uh, for quite a bit. 300 issues. That's nothing. <laughs> um, so, Martin, do you know what we're going to read next time? Because I know what we're going to read for next yeah, time. Yeah, we're doing uh, TMNT Volume 1. No, no, we're actually not going to do that quite yet. We're going to do uh, Love and Rockets. Oh, is that what's next? Okay. Yeah, we're going to do that next. Uh, Jay, not only did he send me one, the first volume of Love and Rockets... Uh, he sent me the second volume separately. <laughs> I saw that. Like a week later. I'm like, what the heck? He, he's just like, I just really like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Jay. So Jay gets his way. We will be reading Love and Rockets for our next episode. Awesome. After that, we'll do uh, Ninja Turtles volume one of the, the IDW hardcover collection. Uh, Ninja Turtles, we will work through volume by volume, not in any kind of a rush. But that's something that I actually do want to go through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, bit by bit, whereas everything else we'll kind of read it, talk about it, and then down the road when we read more, we may jump back in to give new impressions of it. Uh, yeah, so for next week, um, do you know what the first trade is called? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, let's see. I don't have it in front of me either. Loving Rockets Volume 1 is Maggie the Mechanic. 
Maggie the mechanic. I knew I'd know it when I heard it. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. No, yeah, no, that's not it. That's not it. I think it is. Is it? Yeah. You might be right. I'm pretty positive that that is. But I'll, while we're talking, I'll double check it here. So Love and Rocket. It's one of the things when I first. Uh, it was first brought onto my radar is that figuring out what to get and when to read whatever is a little bit confusing because it's not love and rockets volume one love and rockets volume two mm-hmm. it's like everything is under love and rockets but uh each volume is it's like it's titled its own title mm-hmm. um so maggie the mechanic yes is volume one and that's what we're going to read for for next week um or not next week next episode um <laughs> next yeah, week yeah, uh, it's interesting because they're like it's it's half. They, there are two brothers creating it, and half is one brother's work, and then half is another brother's work. And uh, from what I've been told, they have yeah, you know, there's similarities, but there's also a drastically different feel to them and different ways that they go about storytelling. From mm-hmm. what I've been told, I'm very eager to get into this. I haven't read any yet, but just glancing through the first trade a little bit. I think it's the kind of thing that it's it's going to suck me in. And just knowing the people that I know that have recommended this, I'm expecting to be sucked into it. So read along with us. Get uh, Maggie the Mechanic, Volume 1 of Love and Rockets, and we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can find Martin on Twitter at Geekvine. You can email us hello at nerdylegion.com. Uh, we're always looking for suggestions and ideas for future episodes. So if there's something that you really love or would really like to hear us talk about that falls into the the category of black and white comics, let us know and we'll check it out and we'll see if we could uh, add it to our list. Uh, Fortunately, we have a pretty good list already, so we're always going to have some selection to what we want to read. Yeah. So until uh, until next episode, I can't talk anymore. So go read something. (laughs) 